So good morning, everybody. I'm Jason Ashley. I'm the pastor out at the Balfour Covenant Church. For those of you, I met a few of you just this morning. It's great to see all these new faces and great to see many of the faces that I've seen for years. So thank you for having me this morning. Um, I got to ask, where does Jeff preach? I had the same thing at the, at the junction, too. It's all filled with instruments up at the stage. And I had this one little spot off in the corner, like over here somewhere, and they let me preach. But I'll, just, I'll stand right here. Yeah, it's okay. I can, I'll just read it in a minute here. Um, so uh, for the last few weeks in Balfour, we have been working through this series um, of Jesus' sermon in Luke called the Sermon on the Plain. It's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount. And as I was working through it the first few weeks, I uh, came with this idea, this uh, title for it is The Hard Way of Following Jesus Out and How Difficult It Is. And I won't give you all three sermons together, just the last one, but I wanted to talk some about how uh, in, these, in this Sermon on the Plain, Jesus says some pretty difficult things. One of them, he says, is love your enemies. He says, love those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who are wicked toward you. And uh, I was thinking about how we need that in our culture today. We live in a society right now where people love revenge. People love to get retaliation. They love to uh, hate those who hate them, to curse those who curse them. And yet Jesus calls us to live entirely different. And then the week after that, we talked to someone. Jesus says, be merciful as your father is merciful. And then he says, the opposite of that is, do not judge. And how difficult that is for us. And in our brokenness as people, uh, we tend to try and help ourselves feel better or feel even more righteous by trying to convince ourselves or others that they are not righteous or that something is wrong with them. And so we end up judging people. And I started thinking about, you know, Jesus has these commands that are pretty natural for us uh, to, to disobey. I think about my boys. I don't have to teach. I've never once had to teach my boys about retaliation. They just do it naturally. One of them hits them. I don't have to say, okay, here's your chance. Hit him back, right? No, they, they go right at it. Retaliation comes easy. Or judging. I mean, we see it all the time how easy it comes for us to judge other people, to make assumptions about them, knowing just a little bit of information about them. And so I've been thinking about this some and, and then uh, realizing how difficult it is. How do we do this? When it's our nature to, to retaliate or to get revenge or to judge others, how do we follow Jesus' commands? Where does this come from? Do we just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps? Is this, uh, does Jesus come to give us a new religion of, of more legalism? How do we do it? Have any of you ever wrestled with things? I mean, not even just these things we're just talking about, but all the difficult things that Jesus taught, the things that don't come naturally to who we are as people. Have you ever thought about how do we do this? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Or maybe sometimes in your own life, in the midst of sin, you're thinking, how do I ever get over this? How do I move past this? How do I keep from disobeying the commands that Jesus has given us? This difficult way, and it is difficult, it's not easy. This difficult way of following Jesus, how do we do it? Does it just come out of human effort? Does it come out of our own self-discipline? Where does it come from? That's why I love the Word of God. And if you would, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Or also to, I put it in your bulletin, maybe if you forgot in your, your Bible today, or if you just want to read it there. <clears throat> it's right here. It's Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 43 to 49. So Jesus, he's teaching in this sermon on the plain. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. 
Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good person, the good person brings things out of the good stored up in their heart. And the evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. For out of the overflow of their heart, their mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug it down deep, laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. If you would... Pray with me that we would hear God's word and that we'd be able to work it out in our lives uh, this morning. Pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord God, we praise you for your word. We praise you for the ways that it helps us. Lord, I'm grateful for the grace you've given us and the new heart, the new life you have given us. It helps us to live faithfully and follow you, not just out of self-discipline, but out of a new desire. I praise you for your word, Jesus. Help us to hear it this morning. We pray for your help, Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus begins by saying, that good fruit comes out of a good heart. And evil fruit, on the contrary, comes out of an evil heart. You start, or sorry, comes out of a, an evil tree, not an evil heart. <laughs> but he does make the point or the connection then. He says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I've been thinking about this, how central our heart is to our faith. I was thinking about this when I was um, reflecting on this passage that we oftentimes, we, we do things, and I, you know, to use Jesus' example of a good tree bearing good fruit, you know, we, if you would bear with me here, that we, we are like apple trees. Uh, if, if, you know, many of you have worked on an orchard or seen an orchard, you know, apple trees usually produce apples, right? Sometimes, though, like sin popping up in our lives, it'd be like an apple tree that pops out an, an onion. Not that I have anything against onion. I remember when I preached this in, in Balfour, <laughs> somebody said, but I happen to like onions. So nothing against onions. But on an apple tree, onions are wrong. (laughs) You don't want onions on an apple tree. And the thing is, in our life, we can get onions popping up on our apple tree. Sinful things. Maybe we lose our temper. I I don't know. I I mean, I never thought I would ever do this, but I have a friend who has two little boys, and he loses it sometimes. At least that's what he says. It can be easy to lose our temper. Or sometimes we say things or we do things. Sometimes we, something's happening and we cut a corner or we don't tell the whole truth. Things just pop up. <clears throat> and we can begin to think that these onions that pop on the tree are an isolated thing. Or maybe we see like a connection of them and we start thinking, you know, I've got an onion problem on my tree. And we think this as we, we tend to think in linear terms. We don't oftentimes think in the whole system, how things are, are coming out. And so we'll think like, oh, I've got an onion problem. For example, say like anger. You have a difficulty with anger. You lose your temper a lot. You can think like, I've got an anger problem. How do I keep from losing my temper? And then you lose your temper and you get so frustrated that you just lost your temper, right? We can tend to think that we have an onion problem when really what we have is an apple tree problem. Are you with me? We have this idea that sin kind of happens, and how do we keep from doing the sin? How do we buckle down or lift ourselves up by the bootstraps and not do that anymore? We think we have an onion problem when the reality is we have an apple tree problem. We have a heart problem. Jesus said, for out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. 
The issue is the heart. As followers of Jesus, we need a new heart. Jesus didn't come to give us a new behavior program or a new behavior management scheme. He came to give us a new heart, a heart of flesh, to remove our hearts of stone, to make us people who don't follow Jesus just because we have to, but because we want to, because we desire to, because we have a new heart. And think about if we could do it by behavior. Think of how it would go. It's a lose-lose if we focus just on behavior. I mean, when you focus on behavior, here's what we do and here's what we, here's what we don't do. When you focus just on that, you can go off the rails. It's, it's a lose-lose. One, because maybe you're really good at it. It comes with pride. Oh, yeah, I... I don't do that anymore. I don't understand why people have this problem. They should just stop too. It's a lose-lose. We end up with pride. We end up with legalism and pride. Or the opposite happens. You fail. You're miserable at keeping the rule. And you become hopeless. I've tried to stop. I've prayed to stop. I've prayed to follow Jesus this way, and I just can't do it. I guess I don't fit. I guess maybe Christianity isn't for me. It's a lose-lose. I was thinking of a, a powerful example of this is pornography, for example. I was reading a few weeks ago about pornography, and especially pornography in the church. You know, we would like to think that that's something that we are set free from as Christians. The moment we begin believing in Jesus, that doesn't bother us anymore. And if the statistics are right, then there are people in this room who are struggling with pornography. And if we focus on behavior, like I said, it's a lose-lose. Because there, hopefully most of you are saying, are thinking to yourself, well, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's not a problem for me. And I just don't understand why the people who it is a problem, why they just don't stop. Maybe they just need to pray more or read their Bibles more or try harder. You can end up in legalism when you focus on behavior. Or what about the people who have been trying, who do struggle with pornography? And they've been praying for years. And they've been trying their hardest. And the more they fail, the more they end up failing more. It's this downward spiral. The worse they feel about themselves, and it just goes down. If pornography is something that you do struggle with, please contact me. Or if you want to, we can pray afterward or meet with me. Uh, My number is in our uh, church uh, directory. You can find it. I would love to pray with you and begin talking with you about how do we change our heart. Rather than focusing just on the behavior, how to begin living into the new life that Jesus has given us. So Jesus says, out of the overflow of a heart, the mouth speaks. Our faith is based on our heart. And behavior, it comes out of who we are, out of, naturally out of the goodness in our heart. So let us focus on our heart. I remember when I was first becoming a Christian, I met with my pastor, his name was Roger, and we would talk some about faith, and I'd talk with him about all the things that were going wrong. I talked about the places where I'd, I'd messed up, where I had sinned, things that were frustrating me in my life. And he'd say, Jason, how is your relationship with Jesus? Let's focus on that, because when we get that right, when we're working on that, everything else begins to fall into its place. Not that it will necessarily be easy, but it will fall into its place. 
So the heart is central. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But that's not to say that there is no place for self-discipline. Because as these people are gathered around them, Jesus says this, but then the next thing he says is, Lord, and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but then not do what I say? When we call Jesus Lord, Lord, but then do not do what he says, we have a heart problem. He says, those who call him Lord, Lord, and do what he says, he says they are like a man building a house who digs it down and then deepens it. And it doesn't quite get it in the NIV, but in the Greek, it's he digs it down and then he makes it a little bit deeper, just for good measure. And then he puts a foundation on the rock and then builds a house from there. And those of you who know something about construction, you know that it's important to have a good foundation. It's essential. Without a good foundation, everything else can fall apart. And Jesus says this. He says when the storm comes or when the floods come, the house is not destroyed. It stands. I hear Jesus talking about our lives, about our faith. When difficult things come, because of our good foundation, our good relationship with him, we stand. But then he said, but those who, do, who call him Lord, Lord, but do not do what he says, they're like someone who just started building the walls on the sand. And when the water comes, it washes the sand out from underneath and the whole place collapses. It's catastrophe. So there is this part of us and our need to, have, to follow Jesus and to call him Lord, Lord, but then to actually do what he says. That sometimes there is this place for discipline, self-discipline in our faith. Because there are times, I know I'm a pastor, I'm not supposed to say this, there are times when I don't really feel like reading scripture, and yet I still know it's good. Are there times when I feel too overwhelmed to pray, and yet I still do? Sometimes out of discipline, self-discipline. I was thinking about this, I've been thinking about this for years, about the place for self-discipline in our lives. You know, under normal conditions, the normal, the, the normal place for a Christian is to live is that you desire to do these things. You desire to follow Jesus. You desire to grow in your relationship with him. You desire to read scripture. You desire to bless people. You desire to help the homeless. All these things come out of a good desire. In the normal place, in our natural place, that's where we're supposed to be as followers of Jesus. But there are times when we don't, right? And some of you may be even going through seasons when you don't. Talk about seasons of dryness. When you read the word of God and it feels like you're reading a phone book. Or you pray and you feel like you're just talking to the ceiling. There are seasons of dryness. We have them. And sometimes self-discipline can help us get through those. I was thinking of it as an example of, you know, like in the compact car nowadays, you get those tiny little bicycle tires for a spare tire, right? Right? You see people driving around with them and the car's a little bit off-center or a little bit unbalanced. Those tires, they're rated for a slower speed. I think like uh, 60K or something like that. Um, Maybe 80K, but they're not meant to go fast. And you're not meant to drive them a long time. You're meant to just put them on just long enough to get to the next place where you can get your tire fixed. Does anybody here, you don't have to raise your hands, does anybody here have a friend or maybe yourself who you put those tires on and you just drive it for like the next six months? It's not a tire, okay? It's just to get you to the next spot. Sometimes self-discipline can be like those tiny spare tires. It can get us to the next spot when our faith gets healthy again. But we're not meant to drive around on 
We're not meant to rely entirely on self-discipline. But it can get us there. I think of this story. A few years ago, I read The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And it's written, um, it's sort of a a funny book because it's written from the vantage point of of an understudy demon who is trying to ruin the life of a Christian, trying to get this Christian to stop following Jesus and to give it all up. Uh, His name's Wormwood. And his uncle, Screwtape, is this um, like superior demon who he's reporting back to. And he says, Uncle Screwtape, I've got this Christian right where I want him. It's, it's only a matter of time now because this guy is praying and he doesn't even know if he means it anymore. He's praying and he doesn't even feel like it. It's only a matter of time. I think I've got this guy. And Screwtape, Uncle Screwtape, writes back to him and says, Wormwood, be very careful. This is the most precarious place. Because if this follower of Christian, if he, the follower of Jesus, if he makes it through this, we will have lost him forever, meaning he will follow Jesus forever. If he can make it through this dry place, even on self-discipline, he will be all the stronger for it. So self-discipline has its place, especially in dryness when we feel like, man, I, I can't even think about praying right now or reading the scriptures just does not seem right or, or, or helpful at all to me. Or I can't even imagine trying to bless somebody right now. I'm going underwater. In those places, self-discipline can help us get through. But I was also thinking about, too, how self-discipline not only helps us in a dry season, but it also helps us when our faith is doing pretty well. Self-discipline can help us do the things that maybe we wouldn't otherwise do. I think about serving other people. I I know most of you, you have busy things, lots of responsibilities, things you're working on. You know, you would, like, it'd be nice to help somebody. I just don't have time. Or, I don't know, like, I mean, I don't want to help that person. You know, maybe somebody else, right? But self-discipline can help us do the right things. It can help us bless people even when we don't feel like it. And what I mean by that is um, discipline can help us get over that first little hump. Where we start blessing somebody and we realize how amazing it is. Just a few uh, weeks ago, I was... Um, coming into town, and I picked up this guy who, um, who I've been, I picked up a couple times before, and I knew that he had some trouble with his son. His son was having some trouble, and anyways, we're driving in, and I was like, uh, I mean, how hard is it to pick up a hitchhiker, right? Even somebody you know. I was like, oh, okay, fine. So I pull over, he jumps in, and we start talking on the way into town. And he talks about, you know, his, he's having, still having difficulty with his son. Um, his son's in jail, and he was pretty discouraged by it all. And at the end, <clears throat> Just as he's getting ready to get out, um, I asked him, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you and for your son? He said, yeah, that'd be great. Um, anything helps. And, you know, it's a pretty minor thing. And, but it was one of those things where to just have a little bit of self-discipline to do it. And after I prayed for him, like, I was blessed by it. I hope he was too. I think he was. But it was a blessing to me as well. But sometimes we serve people, even in that beginning at the, the start of it, we think, oh, I don't want to. But then we get into it. And not only is it a blessing to them, but it becomes a blessing to us as well. Self-discipline can help us get over that first hurdle. And I was thinking about this, how it, um, if you know like how, sorry ladies, but how engines work, maybe, you, actually there's probably some of you who know engines better than I do. Well, I'm certain of it, but um, how an engine works is the first few strokes, once you get it started, then the engine kind of takes off and it starts running. You know, think about like a lawnmower, you know, it doesn't just start running. You have to pull the cord, Right? to kind of get it started, to get it going. Sometimes self-discipline can be like that with our faith. 
you know, if we can just pull the rope, if we can just pull the cord and get it going, it will, like, we'll take off. We'll want to serve people, want to bless people. But sometimes it just takes that self-discipline of getting the engine started. You know, think about how a, what a lawnmower does. It's meant to mow your lawn. You know, and you, the, we all used to, you pull it maybe 10 times, maybe once or twice if yours is tuned up properly. And you just, then you hit the gas and you just start mowing, right? But imagine how difficult it would be, how frustrated you'd be if you had to mow the lawn by pulling the cord all the way. We're not meant to run on discipline, but it can help us get over the hump. It can help us get started into blessing others when we really don't even feel like it to begin with. But we also have to be careful, too, that we don't rely entirely on self-discipline to bless people because I don't know if you've ever been blessed by someone who you can tell really don't want to do it. (laughs) You might just say next time, like, it's okay, next time just stay home. I'll be fine without the help. Thank you. When we rely entirely on self-discipline, things can go wrong. So I hear Jesus saying, out of the goodness of your heart, your mouth speaks. So our heart is central. Our relationship with him is, is key. But I also hear him saying that there is a place for self-discipline. The calling him Lord, Lord, and then actually doing what he says, especially when we don't feel like it, but trusting that once we get into it, once we get over that first hurdle, we'll begin to uh, follow him, and we will be blessed by it as we are blessing others. Are you with me? So to bring it all together, Jesus is saying, out of a good tree comes good fruit. If you've got onions popping up on your tree, you don't have an onion problem, you have an apple tree problem a heart issue. I mean, he says there's also room for discipline too, for out of, um, if you call him Lord, Lord, but then do not do what he says, then, then something is off. That we come back to our heart and our relationship with Jesus. So as I'm thinking about our relationship with Jesus, I don't know if any of you are asking, okay, Jason, I hear what you're saying, and I, I can, I see it in Luke, our, our relationship with Jesus is important, but how do we, how do we, how does our heart change? How do we get this better relationship with Jesus? And the first answer is, uh, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us this new relationship with Jesus. And for some of you, that's going to be really encouraging because you think, oh, I thought it was up to me. But some of you, it's going to be actually discouraging because you're thinking like, oh, well, then how do I have any sort of input in this? How do I get it to happen? Does that mean I, have, I just have to wait and hope it happens? Well, I think there is this kind of middle ground. There's this place where we rely on God. We pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to change us. But there are also things that we can do that will prepare our lives to receive what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And I'd love to tell you that I found some new, amazing, easy, fast way to make this happen in, in just, you know, three, 30 short days. And if you're unsatisfied, you can get your money back, but I haven't. The way to make our lives open to the Holy Spirit are the same things that our brothers have been doing for thousands, our brothers and sisters have been doing for thousands of years. The basic things like reading the Word of God, reading Scripture. And it's, and I want to say too, it's good to read it for information. It's good to have our perspective on life changed but it's also to read the word of God for transformation. That we aren't just reading to get information, we're also reading to, be, to have transformation. To, to read scripture and to listen, Lord, what are you saying to me? Not just uh, as, as important it is to begin here, Lord, what are you saying? What is happening here in this passage? But also, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? 
are you convicting me? Are you encouraging me? Are you speaking to me through this to be courageous? So that we read scripture, not just for information, but for transformation. Another one is prayer. Prayer and scripture, these are the two that our brothers and sisters have been using for a millennia. But prayer, and you know, in the Western world, we often pray like a shopping list. Lord, please help with da, 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 da. Lord, please heal, ba, 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 ba. And that's fine. Pray like that. Please keep praying like that. But also pray where you ask, Lord, help me to see where I am sinning. Or reveal to me the places where I am broken and I have rebelled against you. And then, Lord, please forgive me. Prayers of examine, prayers of repentance, or even just prayers of sitting in the presence of God. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to me. I'm going to sit here for the next 20 minutes. Speak to me. And if you don't, that's okay. I just want to sit here with you. That these different ways of praying, they too can help us grow in our relationship with God. So reading scripture, praying, also having a faithful friend, someone that you know, someone who, uh, that you trust, that you know will speak the truth to you in love, that you can pray with, that you can talk with. My closest spiritual friend or uh, spiritual director is Tracy, my wife. She will speak very honest with me. <laughs> you know, Jason, what you're saying right there just sounds selfish. Or Jason, I want to encourage you to have, uh, to have courage here. It sounds like you are discouraged. But trust what God is doing. We need faithful friends. They help us as well to grow in our relationship with God. Blessing others, serving people, that can help us grow in our relationship as well. Fasting. I was listening, we had a men's breakfast in Balfour uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, Bill Hansel was talking about Jesus. He says, when you fast, do not do it like the Pharisees. But it's interesting, he doesn't say if you'd fast or what. He says when you fast, the assumption being that we would fast. And I have to admit, I am not uh, a great faster. <laughs> I have tried it in the years. Um, maybe that's the problem, I've tried it <laughs> instead of just doing it. But, um, but some of you have fasted and you've found how powerful it can be in your life, especially when you're fasting for something specific. That's another great way that people have grown in their relationship with God is through fasting. The last one I wanted to mention, too, is, is worship. And there's many others, but, but to worship God. Like when we gather here on Sundays, to praise God. And for worship to help us grow in our relationship with God, we come and rather than asking, you know, oh, are they going to play my favorite song today? Or thinking to ourselves, oh, I really hate this one. We start just praising God, regardless of what the music is. That even if it's not our favorite tune, we can still sing the words and mean them. And then there's times when the music is amazing and it seems to line up and help us worship God. And that's great. These are the things that our brothers and sisters have been doing for thousands of years. Reading the word of God. Praying. Faithful friends. Fasting. Serving. And worshiping God. These are things that will cultivate our relationship there will be fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to come and plant seeds that will grow into a great relationship. Or our relationship will even grow even more with our Lord. This is how we have a heart change. It's by spending time with Jesus. So when we come to these hard sayings of Jesus, when he says, love your enemies, 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who are uh, doing horrible things to you. It comes out of a heart relationship. It comes out of a new heart, a transformed heart. When we hear Jesus saying, uh, be merciful as your Father is merciful, do not judge. Before you start picking at the speck in somebody else's eye, take care of the beam in your own eye. That comes naturally when our heart is transformed, when we have this relationship with Jesus. So hear this word this week. Listen to the words of Jesus. Focus on your relationship with him. For out of the fullness of your heart, your mouth speaks. Amen.